0: We are back with another edition of What's Next? Living Longer, Better, Smarter. This episode is made possible by Keen Insurance Services, get independent, unbiased answers to your Medicare questions at choosekeen.com. Thank you for being with us. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Mary Furlong. And this time out, yoga, your health care, and nutrition. Some great information for everyone today, Mary.
1: I'm very excited about this segment. There's an important new study on the benefits of yoga and we get to talk about health plans and nutrition. And then there will be a really healthy podcast for all of us. And we can uh, stretch later in the day or stretch each morning, right?
0: Absolutely. Well, we have some wonderful guests joining us. Stay with us for getting the most out of healthcare coverage and nutrition. First, we want to welcome Dr. Julia Lowenthal, a geriatrician at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. She and her colleagues have published a study on the effects of yoga on frailty and and longevity. Uh, Dr. Lowenthal, welcome.
2: Hi, thanks for the invitation. Well, as
1: one who gets back pain, I know yoga can really help with that. Um, We're so excited to have you on the podcast and we're anxious to learn about your study. So tell us more about your research and what you looked at and the results.
2: Sure, so so I've practiced yoga for many years. And uh, when I was in geriatrics fellowship, I learned about this concept called frailty, which is this, this syndrome that it can affect multiple different systems in the body and lead to certain symptoms like low energy, slow walking speed, unintentional weight loss, et cetera. So I became very interested to see uh, what if there was any effect of yoga on frailty because I had noticed so many benefits across multiple different body systems for, in my own practice. So what we what we did is we did a, something called a systematic review where we looked at previously published randomized clinical trials. And we looked at yoga interventions in older populations. So people over the age of 65. And we, had, we set out to look at frailty, but we actually didn't find any studies that used a validated or uh, previously defined uh, definition of frailty. So we ended up using frailty markers, things like walking speed, lower body strength, hand grip strength and balance. And what we found was that yoga interventions in older populations had positive impacts on many of these frailty markers, especially walking speed, and lower body strength, and these things are connected with a lot of really important outcomes for older people. So even you know mortality or longevity, walking speed is closely connected with that, um, with having a faster walking speed being healthier, and then also uh, things like falls, loss of independence, and other important outcomes. So we were we were excited about these results.
0: So tell us tell us what you found if if you can give us a bit of a synopsis.
2: Yeah. So, so the, um, when we looked at, we broke down the studies by, um, different frailty markers. And so we looked at all types of yoga interventions by walking speed, for example, and found, um, what we called moderate certainty that yoga had a, uh, you know, made people's walking speed faster. And this was seen in the, the trials that compared yoga to uh, people who were just doing an educational group or um, who were on like a wait list, for example, when we looked at yoga compared to other types of active controls, so people doing Tai Chi or exercise or Pilates, for example, um, we didn't see any difference between those, but we still saw an improvement compared to the inactive control groups. So just pointing out that um, across all these different studies over all these years in different parts of the world, it seemed to be a fairly consistent effect.
0: And the trials that you uh, looked at were conducted in a dozen different countries, thousands of people?
2: Yeah, so we, we uh, for our criteria, we had 33 studies that we included, and this was in 12 different countries. And we ended up having a total of 2,384 participants across all the studies. Well, that's really impressive.
1: Were there some countries that were more people involved in yoga? I know in Japan, a lot of people do Tai Chi.
2: Yeah, so we, a lot of our studies were from the U.S. Um, we also had studies, uh, a good amount from Europe, India, Australia, the Middle East, and Asia. Well, you know, the boomers at the top
1: end are 77 this year, and I'm going to be 75. So I just know it has to be, it's an easy thing to pick up and try and do. So you looked at different types of yoga. What are your thoughts about what most of us should be doing?
2: So there there are lots of different schools and styles of yoga. And I think one thing that a lot of people don't realize is many of them are closely related to one another, so I would say overall, you can't go wrong picking a style. Um, I think a lot of them still touch on, you know, not just the physical poses, but also breathing exercises and meditative aspects. So I think you can't go wrong. Um, from our work here, we we did conclude that Iyengar yoga, which is very focused on um, alignment and using props to customize yoga poses, seemed to be particularly beneficial And I think Iyengar yoga is also uh, often taught in a smaller class, so it can be helpful for somebody who's just starting out to be part of a class like that. Um, I would say other things to look for would be gentle classes or introductory classes. Um, Those are usually kind of good keywords to look for. And then people who have significant medical conditions or functional or cognitive limitations, I would recommend actually starting out with a physical therapist and doing some physical therapy and then having them give you some customized advice on, uh, you know, kind of a future regimen. And if you can find a yoga therapist to work with as well, that person typically has more training than a yoga instructor. And they can, they usually work with people one-on-one and they're trained to, to work with people who have particular medical conditions or, or functional limitations. That, that's really good advice. And uh, you kind of need your health team, your
1: doctor, your therapist, your physical therapist. Um, there's often a social aspect to yoga. Maybe this can be helpful too. Uh, is it ever too
2: late to get started? Yeah. So social the social aspect is really important. And I think um, more so in the Tai Chi literature, we've seen that, you know, having that, the effect of that group class coming together is really beneficial for the health benefits. Um, and I would say that probably translate, translates over to yoga practice as well. And I've heard that from a lot of my patients is that they're really getting a lot out of that, you know, coming together with other people and working on something with a common purpose. Um, and so I don't, I mean, I don't think it's ever too late to start yoga. I mean, you, it's always accessible if you can do one pose and, and do some mindful breathing in that pose. I, that's yoga. So it's not. It doesn't have to be a complicated, you know, long routine or anything. I, it's accessible to everyone, and it's it's always there for us.
0: There's plenty online for people too to to find too, whether it's Get Set Up or, uh, or Spiral One Hundred, other other places that have online classes.
2: Yep, there's a lot and there's a lot of stuff too that's free on um, on YouTube and other platforms as well.
0: So if i understood what you said earlier correctly it may not be more beneficial than other forms of exercise when it comes to frailty but i guess there are advantages in terms of the ease of of working your way into this
2: yeah so so for frailty in, in particular the in, the we looked at frailty markers here um so there didn't in our the in our review it, there didn't seem to be a particular advantage to practicing yoga over other interventions like exercise for example and we know too that most yoga practices don't reach the aerobic capacity of of other exercise regimens so there's that i you know something we didn't look at was the cognitive potential, cognitive benefits of yoga, which, which has been looked at in a lot of other work. But, um, there are, um, you know, there's something to be said about sort of the cognitive control of the body. And also yoga offers that, that meditative aspect or that mindfulness practice. And so that's something where there, there could be a little bit of an advantage for yoga over exercise, um, depending on the way it's practiced. So all that to say is in our in our study here we didn't find a particular advantage but I, I would hypothesize that um, you know there may be some additional sort of cognitive benefits that we we might not see in some other exercise programs.
1: Um, I think that's really important and also the stress reduction that comes from it because as you get older your bones are more frail. so this is really something that you could take on and take it on with enthusiasm, I think, uh, for all the benefits. We thank you for your research and your, your work in this area, Dr. Lowenthal, and for the work that you and your colleagues are doing. We'll spread the word among the older adult community.
2: Thank you, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you again, Dr. Julia Lowenthal at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. Next up, finding and getting the most out of your healthcare coverage. A company that is in that business is Keen, K-E-E-N, and we are happy to welcome the co-founder and CEO, Scott Matthews. Hi, Scott. Hey, Fred. Hey, Mary. Thanks for having me.
1: Scott, it was great to meet you and really appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast today. I think you have a real innovative solution that can help older adults save money in an area that costs them a lot, which is their health insurance. So let's talk, tell us more about Keene and the company.
3: Yeah, well, uh, thanks, Mary. And at Keene Keen Insurance Services, we love helping older adults stay healthy uh, and affordably get the care they need, whether that's health care or long-term care. Um, and we usually do start by helping older adults select the right Medicare plans and then help them use all the benefits in those plans.
0: Well, your services are available, Scott, in, in all 50 states using uh, licensed health and uh, life insurance advisors. Mm-hmm. That has to be challenging with the different options that are available, I suppose, in different states.
3: It can be. You know, I think about how it is actually very challenging for the consumer uh, to navigate this very complicated Medicare landscape. Uh, you know, Medicare plans are uh, put together down to the county level as a service area. So uh, there are over 7,000 Medicare Advantage plans, for example, available here in 2023. And the average consumer this year had 43 Medicare Advantage plans to choose from. In places like New York City, it's over hundred options. Uh, and these plans are really complex. Uh, they vary on over hundred dimensions and that doesn't even account which doctors are in your network and how your individual medications are priced out. Um, and it's really important for consumers to shop every single year uh, because the features change, the benefits change, all these plans are competing with each other, and there's a lot of money to be saved, and there's a lot of benefits to be taken advantage of. Unfortunately, only 29% of people review their coverage each year, so there's a big opportunity for people to unknowingly save a lot of money when it comes to these Medicare plan decisions.
1: And of course, trust is a big topic here. So how can older adults know that you're putting their interests first and not the companies that are offering Medicare Advantage plans? Yeah. And so talk about that. And then I'm also interested in how you can get, I think you mentioned like up to $75 a month and maybe grocery delivery.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So you know, trust is everything. And trust is the basis of what we call the Keen way. The Keen way is how we do business at Keen. Um, And that means a few things. Number one, it means, you know, we and we tell our our members, we're independent. We work with every major national carrier, and we carry all the major national carrier Medicare Advantage plans and Medicare supplement plans. So we're not just trying to get you into the plan we happen to sell. We're going to shop across every plan available and help you understand the best option for you. Uh, Number two, uh, we believe in Mission over commission. And unlike most agencies, uh, our advisors who are working with you, they don't get paid bonuses, they don't get paid commissions, they're not trying to optimize their business with one carrier to win a trip to a fancy island. They're only trying to get it right for you. They're they're full-time salaried employees. And we are just as happy if we say that you are on the right plan for you now and there's no changes that you need to make. The third thing we do is we will take more time with you to get it right. A lot of people make a fast decision and they realize when they start using the plan, there's a surprise deductible on the prescription when they go to get it filled at the pharmacy or the doctor they wanted to see is no longer a network. We're gonna take the time to look up your doctors, look up your prescriptions, also look up your social needs. Uh, Understand if you might benefit from a, a nutrition benefit or a transportation benefit or a fitness benefit Or especially for people who are uh, Medicaid, Medicare dual eligible, there's a lot of special plans and benefits. And in many markets, there are special plans for people who have a chronic condition like diabetes that can unlock a lot of benefits, such as uh, the nutrition benefit uh, that that you mentioned. Um, And we're here to help you year round. And so we don't just try to get you on a plan and, and move on. We will spend time with you. We'll make an appointment with you to go through your benefits and make sure you are aware of how to take advantage of them and what they are. Um, and yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, Unfortunately, there are just billions of dollars of unused benefits that are built into these plans, and, and sometimes they're a little bit hard to understand and use, uh, uh, but in terms of nutrition, most plans have post-discharge meals when you get out of the hospital to make sure you have nutrition uh, when you come home. And many plans these days have started offering more comprehensive nutrition benefits. I have uh, a member I worked with this year who had a plan that has a $75 a month healthy grocery benefit that they can go use to buy healthy groceries uh, at the point of sale. Other plans have even more. Uh, Some of the plans now, and I have a a member who's on a chronic condition plan, uh, they have a $225 a month benefit on a flex card that they can use for food. They can also use it for Rent, utilities, and other services. So the plans are starting to put a lot of benefits in to, especially the Advantage plans that can help sort of treat you holistically and uh, provide a lot of care.
0: Well, the choices uh, that people have to make can be so confusing and trying to compare these different plans and such. And even the basic decision do I go with Medicare Advantage or Medicare Supplement plan? I mean, I guess. everybody's different to, to some extent. That's why these things are being sold that way. But holy cow, how, how do people decide which is best? I mean, you hear different things that uh, you may not have the, the kind of medical coverage you want if you go with an advantage plan, but instead you're getting this benefit or that benefit.
3: It's a very personal decision and it's a complicated decision. Uh- very often, we meet a lot of people when they're about to turn 65 or they've just turned 65, and that's a great time to start thinking about this. Um, and the first question, actually, is a lot of times people are still working. You know, people are working into their late 60s, early 70s now. And so a lot of times the first question is, do I stay on my employer plan or do I move to Medicare? And that's a very important calculus to get right, because oftentimes the employee has a spouse who's covered on the employer plan. Sometimes it's better to uh, go to Medicare and use uh, an Affordable Care Act plan for the spouse. Sometimes it's better to stay on the employer plan. But assuming you're moving to Medicare, you're absolutely right. The next big decision is do I go down the advantage path or the supplement path? And you certainly want one of those because Medicare does pay for everything. It covers about 80% of your heart B costs uh, typically. Now, and and this this gets down to, again, very personal choice. You would be surprised, but there are doctors who don't take advantage plans, but there's also doctors who don't take traditional Medicare and they only take advantage plans. So I usually start with, well, who are the doctors you see? And let's make sure that those doctors are covered because that's probably the biggest dimension on which people make these decisions. And then we look at their total situation. We get to know them. We get to know their financial situation, their preferences. Um, and you know the, the, the trade-off between supplement and advantage, it often comes down to a couple of things. Am I willing to make a monthly fixed payment of a higher amount, whether I need care or not? Or uh, do I want to maybe have a lower monthly payment or no monthly payment and pay a little bit more when I get care? Um, and uh, also, you know, am I willing to accept the doctors that are in the plan? Uh, and it's a it's a very, you know, it's a very complicated decision, uh, but it really comes down to what plans are available in your area that cover your doctors, your drugs, your needs, and, you know, are you in the position to pay a little more every month or just pay for care when you need it? One of the big surprises in, in uh, Advantage plans is that, Um, you know, if you go to the hospital, you're admitted to the hospital, there will be a several hundred dollar daily deductible for the first five to seven days. And so you have to be able to uh, afford that if that was to happen, if you're on an Advantage plan. Um, So even though maybe it has a $0 monthly premium, there are gonna be some things that drive costs. Now, most people don't know, you can buy a special supplemental insurance policy just to cover that stay in the hospital to cover that deductible, uh, and only have to pay you know a small monthly fee for that. So there's a lot of creative ways you can you know tailor the recommendation to the person's individual needs.
1: So the person becomes stays a United Healthcare um, member, but but are they also a key member? Or how do you make money in yeah. the
3: process? We think about the people we work with as as members, and we we want to work with them year-round. We want them to know if they have a question, they can call us, they can text us, they can email us, uh, and we want them to get back in touch. Maybe they have a change in care, they have a new medication they're on, or they have a question about a bill. And so, you know, we're we're a services organization. Uh, you know, they they are members of the health plan, but they're also in effect, you know, one of our members and, and they get this extra white glove level of service from us. And many times, you know, we'll be on the phone with one of our members and we'll three-way in the, the health plan and help them navigate the customer care line and, and ask the right questions so they're you know navigating that because we have more experience doing that. And we're, we're happy to sort of be an advocate for our members in that respect.
1: You know, one area that I think is a big problem for a lot of older adults is pre diabetesity pre-diabetes. And that's where really you can benefit from a nutritionist, exercise, yoga. Um, what are some ways these plans can because that's one in three, I think, older adults. So how can you help with food and nutrition? I was really impressed by the ways you were saving money for pre-diabetic population.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, somebody who's diabetic or pre-diabetic may qualify for additional benefits. Um, and there's a there's special programs for those people. Um, pretty much every... Uh, well, I'll give you an example. I, I was on the phone the other day with one of my members, um, and we got on the phone with the health plan, and that they the member was eligible for 16 different supplemental benefits, and so and we helped them start getting access to those, and there was a lot of different phone numbers to call, uh, and it did it kind of run the gamut. Nearly 100% of plans, uh, Advantage plans, and some supplement plans, have your monthly gym membership covered, and that's a that's a almost a table stakes feature. But probably most people don't know that. And most people don't use that. I I helped a couple uh, uh, up in New York who already had a supplement plan. They liked the supplement plan. They didn't know it had a gym membership. It actually let them pay for a, a very nice gym membership that had a monthly premium higher than their supplement premiums. They were actually saving money by buying the supplement plan than they over what they would have paid for the gym. So they were, they were thrilled about that. So you have to kind of understand those hidden benefits. I encourage everybody to take advantage of the benefits. Um, over the counter is in about 65% of plans, which means you can go and buy over the counter drugs, medications, vitamins. If you wanna get a scale, you wanna get a blood pressure monitor, that's paid for. Uh, there's about $500 in benefits a year for folks. Uh, it's a very common benefit. Transportation is a very common benefit. Uh, nearly 100% of plans have, uh, Medicare Advantage plans have a personal emergency response system that is paid for that helps you, you know, if if something happens to you, uh, get care, you know, those run $500 a year in terms of services fees that are paid for. And more and more, you are seeing a lot of nutrition support uh, and support for, um, you know, people uh, who need to be healthier, whether that's fitness trackers, health and wellness programs, um, or food, you know, and the the Medicare Advantage plans, in particular, you know, they give the incentive to the doctors and the carriers, the health insurance companies, to help you be healthier. And they they typically are paying a fixed payment to the uh, the doctor, and you know they're and the government's giving the insurance companies a fixed payment. The insurance companies are giving the doctors a fixed payment. And so, the healthier you are, the less healthcare cost. You incur, and uh, those plans can make more money. So there really is an incentive around you being healthy, and you'll see a lot of benefits in those plans. But you know, sadly, people don't know those benefits, don't take advantage of those benefits, and that's what something we're really big advocates for: helping people you know, get the benefits that they that are already in the plans that they have.
0: What should what should people know again about the financial end of things? Does it cost the consumer anything to work with you? How does it work?
3: Oh, great question. So. Our services cost nothing to the consumer. Our services are paid for by the health insurance companies. So just like um, any other insurance advisory, there's money built into the system that's regulated by the government. So we get paid uh, as a company by the health insurance plans. Our services are covered, and it's gonna be covered by whichever plan we uh, maybe help somebody write a plan with. But the very important thing is, and unlike a lot of situations, uh, you know, we're paying our advisors a flat salary, and so they aren't incentivized by those economics. You know, they really are just looking out for the what's in the best interest of the member and trying to build a long-term relationship um, because we know eventually because plans change so much, um, there's eventually going to be a need uh, for a plan change. And I'll give you two specific examples that I think are really relevant. Um, you know, this year I helped a member uh, change plans between a plan that was in a uh, between two plans where they were where in the same insurance company. So they just moved from, you know, imagine you move from AT&T plan A to AT&T plan B. Well, that change saved him and his wife $4,000. Wow. Um, wow. And they, they didn't have to change their doctors. They didn't have to change really anything. It was just a new plan came out. And a lot of times, you know, imagine if you got a AT&T or Verizon plan seven, eight years ago and you're paying Hundred dollars a month for unlimited data. You thought that's the greatest plan. You never wanted to leave. Well, now now you got twenty five dollars a line. You know, but if you want to keep paying that hundred dollars, they're going to let you. And so, it does pay to shop. It absolutely pays to shop every year, uh, and and find the best find the best plans out there.
0: And do you only hear from people during the enrollment period, then, or or can somebody get in touch with you at any time of the year?
3: We work with people all year round. Um, there's lots of reasons to check on your benefits year-round, and do And, and we love doing benefits checks. When you're turning 65, that's very important. Uh, if you qualify for Medicaid or any special assistance, you can change plans throughout the year. Uh, if there is what's called a five-star plan in your area, you can change into that plan throughout the year. And we're happy to just meet with you, do a benefits review, tell you where you stand, and help you take advantage of the benefits that are in your plan today and then get ready for the next enrollment cycle. Um, and you know, this year there was a big piece of news in Medicare Advantage, which is after, while, while COVID was going on, they were not as strict about the reporting for the STARS measures. And they became a bit more strict with the reporting for the STARS measures for this year. And what you saw in October of last year is the stars ratings of the medicare advantage plans changed a lot some plans that you know went down a half a star or a star well the impact of that is how much money they're getting paid from the government so there was a big shift in the stars ratings of the plans last year that's going to affect the money the plans get next year which means that this Coming AEP this fall, you're going to see a lot of changes to the plans and the benefits. They're going to change a lot because some plans are losing money, some plans are gaining money because the STARS ratings moved around so much, which is the basis of how plans get funded. So this is going to be a very, even more uh, so an important year to understand your benefits and shop your benefits.
0: The easiest question of all, where do people go for more info?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, you know, we'd love to help anybody who thinks they might benefit from our service. Uh, They can go to choosekeen.com. So that's the word choose, K-E-E-N.com, and uh, they can learn about us. They can book an appointment with one of of our advisors, and we'd be happy to take a look at anybody's situation. Um, You know, my final message for people is, number one, shop your plan every year, whether you're on an Advantage plan or a supplement plan. Work with somebody. can trust uh who really does have your interest at heart and and ask people you know which insurance plans do you work with how do you get paid and then definitely take advantage of your benefits there are billions of dollars of benefits that go unused just because people aren't aware so spend some time understanding your benefits and making sure you're using those
1: and you know for the technology providers that watch our podcast um, a lot of them go to market with medicare advantage plans so you talked about the purse device, but there's other new technologies to help people stay healthy and there's a whole conference called medicarians where people are going just to learn about trends so so great to meet you and really appreciate the work that you're doing and thank you 1843 capital for telling us about you and. Um, I wish you all the luck, and we're going to look into it ourselves.
3: Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Fred. Really appreciate it.
0: Mary, when it comes to health, both for young and old, so many people today are facing food insecurity. Joining us from Healthy Eating Research, a national program of the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, is Deputy Director Megan Lott. Hi, Megan.
4: Hi, Fred. Hi, Mary. Thanks for having me. Mm
1: -hmm. Megan, we're so happy you could join us on the podcast to talk about this, this issue, which is so vital for so many people. So share some of the numbers with us as you see them.
4: Yes, so more than 25 million people in the United States do not have access to nutritious foods to eat on a regular basis. And this is often tied to low wage jobs and lower incomes. And so as a result, we see a disproportionate impact on people of color who have higher rates of poverty and employment, unemployment. Um, data provided by the Congressional District Health Dashboard, which really looks at an average of all congressional districts, shows that 74%, so nearly three out of four Americans, have limited access to healthy food. And I think that is really, really staggering. Again, we also see this increased in rural counties, um, particularly those in the South, because of structural barriers like lower income levels and lack of transportation options to get to those healthier items.
0: Megan, share a bit about your background with us. You're a registered dietitian with a degree in nutrition sciences, And you're based at the Duke Global Health Institute.
4: Yes. So our program is based at the Duke Global Health Institute, which is part of Duke University in Durham, North Carolina. As you mentioned, I'm a registered dietitian. So I did my undergrad in nutrition sciences at the University of Cincinnati and my master's in public health nutrition at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I'm also a mom of three young kids. So I live and breathe the child nutrition thing every day. Um, But one of my first jobs actually out of college was working at the Capital Area Food Bank in Washington, D.C., where I ran a nutrition program for seniors. And so um, really, the senior population has a special place in my heart as well, as it was kind of where my public health nutrition career really got going.
1: Well, I found those statistics very staggering, really. Um, Let's talk about the push you're making to promote nutrition for young and old. I'm also interested in the corporate partners that you're Seeing that are coming to the table. But with inflation and the expiration of some programs for families, um, many people have less access to healthy food, correct?
4: Yes, that's correct. So there were three big policies changes that were put in place as a result of the COVID pandemic. You know, at the beginning of COVID, we saw people losing jobs and the health benefits, hospitalizations, et cetera, which really had the need for food assistance skyrocket. And by putting these programs in place, the government was able to curb that increase or at least slow that down. And so the three policies are school meals, which they made during COVID universally accessible to every child in the country, regardless of income, no questions asked. And school meals should be free to every child who wants or needs them. Unfortunately, this expired at the beginning of the current school year, but we know that free school meal programs are associated with so many benefits, including healthier diets, better classroom performance for kids, more funding for schools. The second thing I wanna mention is the child tax credit. This was also expanded during COVID and we'd like to see it expanded permanently. Again, families had an influx of extra money that they were really able to use to put towards their grocery bills or to support their housing costs to again, free up more money to put towards healthier food. And the third thing I wanna mention is um, higher SNAP benefits. So again, during COVID, we had what were called emergency allotments put into place. And that gave a family of four about a, somewhere between you know, 80 to an extra $100 a month, which had a significant impact on families' ability to feed themselves and their children. Unfortunately, those expired at the end of February and many in, individuals around the country are feeling the impacts of that. To really put this in perspective, they're now being asked to feed their families on $6 per person per day. That is a very low number. I challenge anyone listening to try to make three meals and two snacks out of $6 a day. It's nearly impossible.
0: You know, and even when we're talking about uh, children here with some of these programs are targeted to, <laughs> the USDA is proposing changes to the school nutrition standards to hopefully make things better there. This affects all of these programs, affect everyone in, in the family, including the older adults who may be dependent upon Social Security. Very often, older members of the family are, are trying to help or are watching the kids. And boy, this is a struggle, isn't it?
4: It definitely is. You know, when kids can go to school and get a free breakfast and a free lunch, that really frees up family resources to be spent on healthier items in other meals of the day or for other people who aren't in the school meal programs. Another program, you know, as I mentioned earlier, SNAP, which was formerly known as Food Stamps, this program keeps millions of people out of poverty. And this is a program that many seniors are part of. And This is one where, again, reinstating those extra benefits or raising the minimum benefit could have a really big impact, especially for older Americans living on fixed incomes.
1: Tell us about some of the other actions you're pushing for in Washington and at the state level, and also are some corporations stepping up to help?
4: Yeah, so we really believe that we can reach more children and more families through policy and systems changes. So that is a big focus of healthy eating research and a big focus of the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. So examples of those policy and system changes we're currently working on are again, going back to making these healthy school meals available to all children in the US, increasing access to programs like WIC, which the Women, Infants and Children's Program really supports pregnant and postpartum women and children up to age five and increasing those allotments for SNAP, making those extra benefits permanent to help families who can't afford healthy food to put food on their table at home or on tables at schools and cafeterias, as we said earlier. And so those are really significant policy changes that could really stand to impact millions of Americans around the country. The other thing I want to note is that SNAP is one of the the best investments we make in our country. Every $1 spent on the SNAP program results or generates $2 of economic activity. So we see that in the form of increases in GDP. We see that in the form of job creation, and we see that through Um, extra money going to local family farms and local economies, local grocery stores. So it has a really positive cyclical effect. So we're looking at these changes both at the national level, but also working in states, for example, um, Maine, Colorado, and California are three states that have passed universal free school meals at the local level. Other states are working on um, really increasing access by reducing program limitations at SNAP or WIC around the country. And, and so we will continue to pursue those at the state and local level as well.
0: On the corporate side, as Mary was asking, is is there anything going on as far as uh, them getting behind these efforts and, and helping in other ways?
4: You know, one of the biggest ways we've seen corporations get involved during COVID and beyond are through increased donations to uh, charitable feeding networks and systems. So, local food pantries, large donations to Feeding America, which is the nation's umbrella organization representing food banks. We have also seen some organizations step up to um, help schools with what's called unpaid lunch meal debt. So, one of the benefits of universal free school meals is for every meal served, the school gets reimbursed by the federal government right now, because that's not in place, they only get reimbursed for eligible children. So a family has to fill out an application. The kid comes to school, they qualify, they get reimbursed, but there are kids coming to school that have not filled out that paperwork or their families haven't filled it out. Um, And schools still feed these children because they're not, excuse me, going to let these kids go hungry. And so we have seen some companies step up to help schools by paying that unpaid school meal debt to allow kids to continue to get their served meals while at school.
1: One thing I know about older adults is they often are looking for causes where they can contribute. So those are good sources for them to know about. But also, I like the idea of contributing locally to that that gap in what might happen in some schools so that you can help close the gap.
4: Yeah, definitely. You can always reach out to your local school districts to ask those questions about what are the current needs, especially when it comes to school meal debt. And similarly, you can go on Feeding America's website to find your local food banks or food pantries that might need some assistance as well.
0: Now, I don't need to tell you about the shifting political landscape here that we're we're all dealing with, but How do you convince lawmakers that uh, the money that they would put into these programs is well spent and is necessary? Because that's, I guess, the heart of the debate here.
4: Well, that is a big focus of our research program. We are funding research that we hope will be policy relevant and is intended to answer those questions. So when policymakers wanna know what are the impacts of making these policy changes? What does that result in when it comes to job creation or how much is it going to cost? What are the health benefits or the long-term healthcare savings costs that we're able to capture and measure those? But that is a big question and something that takes often years and of data to really be able to answer. And so it's important that we not let the lack of having you know longer-term healthcare savings data really prevent us from taking action now when we have really strong support. We know that these programs put more money in people's pockets that result in purchasing healthier food. We need to be able to act on on the data we have there. It's International
1: Women's Month or, and we like to celebrate women that are taking on important causes. So thank you, Megan, for the great work you do.
4: Well, thank you so much for having me to talk about it today.
0: Is there a place people can go to, Megan, before we let you go for more information?
4: Yes. For more information, definitely visit healthyeatingresearch.org, as well as the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation's website. They are our primary program funder, and their website is rwjf.org nutrition.
0: Terrific. Megan, thank you for spending time with us. Thank you. Mary, yoga, healthcare plans, and nutrition a great way to dive into spring and get ready for the summer
1: yes i'm very motivated fred i saw the cardiologist this week and got a good report so getting healthier is always a good
0: thing and we want to thank all of our guests for spending time with us and of course we appreciate all of you watching or listening you can find us along with the what's next longevity deal talk podcast at maryfurlong.com podcast